Our scripture reading for today comes from Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. If you're like me and you needed to put away your phone so that you aren't distracted, get your actual Bible out, and you can read along with me. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to Christ. Thank you, Rachel. I think she's going to go home to watch the sermon because apparently she and my 14-year-old have a good time talking about what I'm talking about, and so more fun for them to get to sit together and watch and talk to me when I can't hear them. Turned my phone on, or I left my phone across the room, so they can't even text me. What we've been doing is looking at inviting Jesus into our past, and then today inviting us into our future, inviting him into our pre- wow. What we've been looking at is inviting Jesus into our past for healing and interpretation and integration. And today, inviting him into our present as guide. And I wonder how your prayer life is. That's not the only way that um, Jesus guides us, but it is very important. And I'm noticing that uh, people with with creative jobs um, are struggling mightily with creativity. Not everyone, but many of them. And I'm, I'm in that camp. It is harder uh, to connect to new words. And so I'm doing a little more gardening and a little more baking. How about you? But I also wonder about prayer. For me personally, this has meant adding a lament into my typical patterns of prayer. Um, and I, I, I took us to what I hope is a familiar text this morning, because oftentimes... In our familiar texts, um, there are hidden gems that we are not aware of, things that we miss. 
Do you know the Lord's Prayer? I hope that you do. I hope that you rely on it. I hope it's part of your prayer life. And yet I also hope that you know how to expand it. This is, uh, perhaps you're looking for um, a, new, a new-ish way to pray. Perhaps you're relying on an old way. Um, I would encourage you, because when Jesus taught it in Matthew chapter 6, he said, pray this way, which I think is different than pray these words. It doesn't mean don't pray these words. I think what it means is pray these words and then expand them. For all those you care about when you say, Our Father, and then you say their name and remember. Hallowed be your name. Remember that he is good and we are not. Your kingdom, make our kingdoms like yours. Do you know how to pray it with your kids, parents? Uh, we don't do this every day, but, but pretty regularly with my kids. Uh, we remember that God is our good father. And we ask that our house be more like his kingdom. We ask that he give us everything that we need. That he forgive us, help us to forgive others, and that he protect us. That's how we pray this way, me and my kids. What I, the reason I picked John chapter, or excuse me, Luke chapter eleven instead of Matthew chapter six, though, is verse one in chapter eleven. Do you see the disciples see Jesus uh, getting up from his time of prayer, and that's why they ask him to teach on prayer again. Um, it's not working. And I think that's significant. I think they already knew the structure of the Lord's Prayer, and yet they saw in Christ a difference in him. And, and we get hung up on this a little bit because we know, I hope, that Jesus is fully God and fully man. And so we're like, why did he need prayer? He was just sort of modeling it because he knew we would need it. And you can't defend that in the life of Christ. Now, we don't know what it meant for him to need prayer fully because his nature was like Adam's before the fall, but he needed it. You can tell that he needed it in, in his wrestling with Satan in the wilderness. You can tell that he needed it in the way he prayed in Gethsemane. You see him needing to be alone and to pray after his cousin, John the Baptist, was brutally murdered for political stunt so the disciples see Jesus get up from prayer. This happens uh, before he begins moving towards Jerusalem, knowing that he's going to be crucified and killed, and they want what he was receiving in prayer. The Spirit indwells us. That's the theological backbone of this point. But Jesus fully expects for us to receive daily intimacy with Christ. And as soon as I say daily intimacy, I'm worried that you think that I mean feelings or that Jesus was talking about feelings. Now, what he said included feelings, but it also fully included mind. And it fully included like your, your very being. We're going to look in a second at different guides uh, in movies and films and things like that. And uh, I, I have a little bit of a disagreement with one of my favorite guides in a film, Mr. Miyagi, and the Karate Kid. He says, karate here, karate here, karate never here. And here's why I disagree. What if you see someone being bullied? Where does your interest in stepping forward come in? I think that all of your very being, your head and your instincts and your emotions, need the daily guidance of the Holy Spirit. And we have it largely through prayer, also through community and through scripture. One thing that concerns me is I wonder if your prayer life's boring. 
Some of you are just like, what? How could that be? And that's because you've been gifted and called and directed and taught into a rich prayer life. But for some of you, it's boring. And there's a reason. My strongest encouragement, if you resonated with that question, as in, yes, my prayer life is boring, is to speak with someone whose prayer life you respect. Probably not because of how they've prayed in public, but because how they've prayed with you or how you've seen them arise from times of prayer, not because you were there watching them, but the next day, and you realize that they received confidence in God and a sense of their calling and mission through prayer. Those of you that do have a a kind of a conversational prayer life with God, I'm so thankful. Those of you that are already in, in daily communion with him you you're in study and in prayer and you know how to lament and how to praise i'm so thankful and i hope that this sermon encourages you if you're one who uh, enjoys conversational prayer i do have an encouragement for you though that needs to be checked so don't simply say to a friend god told me say i think god told me what do you think about that does that sound like him does that sound like scripture? And it's not because a conversational prayer life isn't a lovely thing. It isn't for everyone. Many people do not pray that way, and, and that's fine. They pray directly the way Jesus taught in, here in Luke 11 and in Matthew 6. What we, but what we need to do for those of us that, that do converse with God is we need to check that. Some of the more profound individual conversations I've had with people and powerful are when they had heard a voice of conviction and they had assumed it was the Lord. And we were talking about it, and this once happened with a pastor friend of mine, and I said, you're a pastor. Does that sound like how God convicts? And the look on his face, I'll never forget. He was just released from a voice that was not the Lord's. Jesus expects us to receive him daily as guide into lives of life. So the series is unstuck, and here's what I think we need to get unstuck. We need to receive his healing in our past. We talked about that last week, and I have received perhaps as much encouragement as I ever have from elderly folks, because even after we turn 50 or 60, my father-in-law has a rule that you're not supposed to blame anyone else for your problems after 50. I don't have that rule, but I received tons of encouragement from older folks about the sermon, about the healing of our past and how it's painful, but it's worth it. And what does it mean? What does healing mean? We talked about this last week and you can go back and listen to it if you want, but here's in short what it means. It means inviting Jesus in to interpret and to integrate what happened to us. Then we ask for his guidance in the present. We need his help daily. Give us this day our daily bread. There's an expectation. And look at the parables that he tells in Luke 11. He's expecting us to impertinently, rudely, boldly ask God for help. He tells another parable later in Luke that's even more aggressive in expectation that we receive him as a daily guide. And the next week we'll talk about inviting him to help us imagine a future where our lives and houses and relationships are more kingdom. Your kingdom come, your will be done. So you know you need a guide, right? All the great stories have guides. 
Which one do you like best? My clicker is not working. Go ahead, Liam. Start scrolling through the guides for me. Do you like Mr. Miyagi? I thought he was great. I didn't think Karate Kid 2 was as good, but Karate Kid 1, I rewatched it a couple weeks ago. It held up. Man who catch fly with chopstick accomplish anything. Go ahead. Oh, I got it. I'm in control now. My clicker's working. Dumbledore. Boy, he was an eclectic one, wasn't he? Fans? I assume they're big, big, big fans of Dumbledore. Aslan? Some interesting dialogue on my Facebook page about this. I think Aslan was actually, as stories go, Aslan is awesome. As a guide, well, he's not my favorite. Uh, it's probably my favorite. Gandalf the White. Preceded by Gandalf the Grey. Which one do you like, Yoda? Many fans of this guide, yes. <laughs> I'm just... Mary Poppins is an interesting one. I think she was pretty good. There's some discussion about old Mary Poppins and new Mary Poppins. That surprised me. Is that from Almost Famous? Yep. It's my wife and I's co-favorite movie. He's a good guide. Ah, oh, Gene Hackman, Hoosiers. My team is on the floor. Mickey, I heard a talk in the 90s, and Tony Evans preached, and his whole conclusion was based on Mickey, saying, get up, get up, you bum, because Mickey loves you. Tony then turns it into, get up, you bum, because Jesus loves you. Hey, Mitch, which one's your favorite guide? Aladdin? This is probably too many pictures, I know. John Keating, Dead Poets Society. But I want you to think about it because so many great stories, part of what we love about them is seeing the growth of the hero. None of those guides are the hero through the guide's help. Some of them are more active. Some of them talk more. Some of them model it. It's so important, though. It's so important that we lean on the Holy Spirit that already indwells us daily for joy and the peace of Christ. But the Spirit indwells us not only as a guide, but also as a protector. And this is part of the reason I like Luke 11. In, in the Matthew 6 version, um, we are the, I, I think Matthew 6, by the way, precedes Luke 11. I think the disciples already knew that, but they thought maybe there was more to it. And in Luke 11, Jesus is a little more brief with his description of what we need protection from. I have an odd question. This could go a number of directions. Have you ever thought about naming you know, the voice in your head. I think most people have, I, I think most people have a voice. I don't think it's lots of voices, and I'm not accusing our church of mass schizophrenia. I am saying that we have a voice that sometimes is good and sometimes gets us into trouble. I'm thinking about naming my inner voice Manny from Handy Manny. Um, my kids watched that. I don't think that shows around anymore. I have no idea. Because Manny will sometimes... Get real, and it's very instinctive, mine. Some of you hear very clearly from your inner voice, and you know when to ignore it, and others of us need to grow up in this a little bit. Manny convinces me, if you help all the people, then you have a role. If you help all the people, then they will like you. And I said, how do, you, how do you quiet the inner voice? I wonder if naming it might be helpful. And you're wondering why I'm talking about this. Let me read straight from Romans chapter 7 under the heading of what do we need protection from? 
This is Romans chapter 7, verse 15 through 25. For I do not understand my own actions. This is the Apostle Paul talking. One of the most intelligent Christians probably who's ever lived. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. To carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul is describing something that I'm going to call the false self. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have been given a new heart. And yet, in this world that is still under the curse, which I'll talk about in a second, parts of our very being cooperate either with the world or with the evil one, driving us away from lives of life into lives of death. One of the things we ask the Lord daily for protection from is our false self, which will require us to learn when it's our good heart that the Lord has given us speaking, this is Jeremiah 31 and Ezekiel 36, and Jesus describing his work as uh, bringing in the new covenant. We need protection from ourself. You are not altogether evil, but there are parts of your very being that are not good and will lead you astray, and we ask for Jesus' daily help with that. We also need help resisting the world. The created order was subjected to futility, Romans chapter 8. And what that means is the very world will lead us astray, not because it longs to destroy us, but because it is no longer fully beautiful and noble like it was when God created it in Eden. I'll give you an example. What does the world tell us about work? We're probably supposed to overwork so that we can buy things that won't make us happy. And the implication often is that work is evil in the enemy. The goal is vacation and retirement. All of that is mixed up. Work is good. We rest one day in seven. Um, work will always be good, even if we're retired. There is still a vocation for us as God's children. What did the world tell us to do about our parents? Let's just assume for a second, especially adults, that our parents are imperfect, because they are. I think in our modern society, the world would say, just reject your parents. And traditional society would say, put up with everything, perhaps. What does God say? Honor your father and mother, which is tricky, and that's a long conversation. But my point is, the world would lead us away from honoring. The world would lead us, instead of looking at our friends, and neighbors as made in the image of God, the world would convince us to judge them if they watch different news channel than we do. Perhaps even to lust after them and miss true community, which is learning to view every man and woman as made in God's image, not as an object, but as a person. I remember reading an article years ago that said 90% of couples lie to one another about finances. 
And then I went home and Rachel asked how much something cost. And I was like, oh, I'm so tempted to just exaggerate it a little bit down. And the world would say, go ahead and lie. Your Thursday will be easier if you go ahead and lie about this. What's the truth? That that will erode trust in the relationship. As I was rewriting this sermon, I totally convinced myself that I needed a new pair of glasses. And there's nothing wrong with a new pair of glasses. And maybe I need one even though I wear glasses about once every 20 days. Most days I wear contacts. And that's not temptation that's immediately sinful, but it is a temptation (laughs) that if I had new glasses, I'd probably look a little bit like this actor in this movie, and that would make me a little bit happier, and it's leading me away from a daily confidence in who God is and who he's called me to be and the joy that comes along with that. My glasses are fine, especially for once in every 20 days, but it was hilarious. Literally, while I'm writing about the world, I got up to get some coffee, and I looked at my glasses, and I was like, I should get some new glasses. I have two pair, by the way, for once in every 20 days. So we need protection from our false selves. We need protection from the world. And, you know, the world just creates a cynicism in in us, doesn't it? So I loved this text, Luke 11. In 2000... uh, nine, we bought a a remodel house, and my wife and her father were in the backyard um, clearing it. The backyard was just a jungle. And he saw a snake and said, oh, a snake. And she said, don't throw it on me. And he starts laughing because she's 35 at the time. I can't do math. She's 31 at the time. And where's the evidence that I would, speaking for my father, that I would throw a snake on you if I saw it. And then, if I remember correctly, and the answer to this is happening in my living room, but I'll find it out later. If I remember correctly, my wife saw a snake a couple of years ago, and my 14-year-old said something to the effect of, don't throw it on me. Maybe it was a stink bug or a frog or something like that. The world leads us to a cynicism, both about it, which is maybe legitimate, but also about God, also about our neighbor's. And so we ask for the Holy Spirit to protect us from our false self. We ask the Holy Spirit to protect us from the world that would lead us away. And we ask for the Holy Spirit to protect us from the evil that we cannot see. This is more explicit in Matthew chapter 6. And every time I talk about this particular subject, I go, um, I handle it stylistically similarly. Um, You must know, follower of Jesus, that there is more to this world than we can see and understand. And you must know that evil and evil spirits, though they exist, do not have an iota more influence or power than God has allowed them to have. I enjoy horror movies occasionally, and uh, some of you do, probably most of you don't. Constantine obviously is fictional. The Conjuring and the Exorcist are very, 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 very loosely based on true events. And what I want to tell you about horror movies, because I love them, is they have to wildly exaggerate both the um, role of the human and the power of the evil spirit or evil spirits. But one of the reasons that the movies intrigue us is we wonder, is there more to this world that we need to be protected from than we can see and fully understand? Yes. 
And so we ask for the Lord to protect us daily from what we can see and are aware of and what we cannot see, which includes temptation, which I think includes the world, but also includes the evil one. We need help. We need guidance. We need protection. And we have it. And Jesus didn't spend as much time in these categories as I did. He told stories about asking for the help daily in an impertinent, almost rude, imprudent, is that the the word the ESV uses in Luke chapter 11? In an imprudent way. And then he doubles down on this a couple chapters later in Luke. And God is portrayed as an unrighteous judge, not because God is an unrighteous judge, but because the way that the woman in the story compels him to act on her behalf is how we are supposed to expect daily intimacy, guidance, and protection. The Spirit indwells us as guide and protector and friend. I'm going to read a lot of Scripture here at the end because I want you to see both how the Apostle Paul and how Jesus expected us to ask for and receive guidance and help and protection. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 17. If you have a physical Bible, you can follow along with me. I'm going to read it kind of at a medium speed because the the text is about inviting Jesus into our daily lives. Many of you are already doing that, but I want you to be encouraged by the way Paul approached this with the church he had not yet visited, the one in Rome. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. The present tense, for God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. This is why we learn this practice of inviting Jesus into our daily life, because to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. And peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life. Because of righteousness, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the spirit of God are sons and daughters of God. It just says sons in the text, but we know that He's also speaking to women. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided that we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. 
Paul is taking great theological pains to paint for us the beauty of inviting Jesus into our daily life as guide and protector. Jesus himself describes it this way in John chapter 15, verses 12 through 17. I am almost done. I know you were wondering. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You do not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. I wanted to read a part of the text to give us some context, and then I want you to hear this because it is what Jesus said I have called you friend. And I think you believe that. And I want to encourage you to act like it on a daily basis, put it into your calendar to pray and to study and to speak with others in community about the things of God, the promises and commands, that we might enjoy lives of life and experience the truth, which is that the Spirit indwells us. I believe many of you are already doing this good. I hope you're encouraged. I invite you to invite Jesus into your past, to heal, interpret, and integrate all that has happened to you. And I invite you to invite Jesus into your daily life that we might experience the kingdom. Joy, peace, a spirit-filled life. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, for those that profess faith in you, would they be encouraged that you are their friend, protector, and guide? And for those that are considering faith in you, Lord, would you help them see and believe and experience based upon history and based upon your Holy Spirit's pursuit of them that you are available and pursuing, in, pursuing them, guiding, protecting, and offering your friendship. Father, we long to be, to sense the fact that you indwell us and to lean on that by faith and enjoy the lives of life you've purchased for us. Draw near to us in ways we can sense and understand.